Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Next week, we're starting our new series, Stepping Up to Greatness. But today, Dr. Justin Hillhouse is here this morning to continue off of what we started last week. So be sure to have your copy of God's Word ready. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. All right, guys, as, as you uh, sit down, grab your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 32. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 32, looking in verses 45 through 47. Now, um, next week, uh, uh, John Mark, he's going to start a new series simply called Stepping Up to Greatness. And uh, so he'll be kicking off uh, that series next week. Um, and so today, we're going to look at something um, kind of to follow up uh, what we talked about last week. Because last week, of course, was uh, January the 2nd. We had just started the new year. And, and last week, we talked about new beginnings. And uh, we talked about Jeremiah. We talked about how he was the weeping prophet. We talked a little bit about his lament. But in the middle of his lament, in the middle of all of this pain that he and Israel were, uh, were going through, guess what? He, he, uh, he talked about God's hope. And the hope that he has in God and that God is going to eventually show up and do something great in the midst of Israel and that God would rescue them. Well, uh, as we kind of look towards today, we want to talk a little bit about being an example to follow. And it seems for most of us here today, most of us here in this room today, we are parents, all right? We are parents. We are grandparents. Some of you might be newlywed. Some of you might be single. Some of you might be like, well, I don't have kids. Well, eventually you might have kids, okay? You might want to have kids. Uh, some of you, you might regret that decision for having kids. How many of you regret? Okay, there are some days I'm like, man, we should have never had kids. But <laughs> we, <laughs> we all have children or, or, or we have family members that have children. And there's something about having kids, right? There's something about that next generation that we as a parent or a grandparent or us as maybe aunts or uncles, that when we see that next generation, we want them to be better than us, right? We want them to be more successful than us in business. We want them to be uh, more spiritual than us. We want them to go to church more than we do. We want them to be better in every aspect of life. We want them to have a bigger house. We want them to have nicer cars. We want them uh, to have better friends. We want them to have so much more than what we had growing up, but also what we have today. And so for us as men, it is our desire, it is your desire, I hope and I pray, that you want your kids and those that are in your family, those that are of the next generation, to be better than who you are now and who you are today in all aspects of your life. And when you get to the end of the book of Deuteronomy, the children of Israel are gearing up to go into the land, to go into the promised land. They're gearing up, and as they are gearing up, there is a transition that is getting ready to happen. And it is happening, as a matter of fact. And it is Moses, he is getting ready. God tells him, hey, listen, Moses, you're getting ready to come be with me. You're getting ready to be, as, as Scripture says, to be laid with your ancestors. You're getting ready to die. And so as you prepare for that, there needs to be a transition of power from Moses to 
Joshua. And in that transition of power, and as we see this transition happening, Moses has been leading Israel for 40 years. The people have trusted him. Now he's 120 years old. It is time for him to move on into eternity. And so before his death and before this transition of power becomes full and complete and goes from Moses to Joshua, God sits down with Moses and he reveals something to Moses that is prophetic. He reveals something to Moses that he says, hey, listen, before you come to me, before you go and you are laid to rest, please understand there is a warning, there is a caution that I want you to know about. And it is prophetic. And we see this prophecy happen in Deuteronomy 31, verses 16 through 18. It says, and the Lord says to Moses, you are going uh, to rest with your ancestors. So there, you, you're going to die. And then look at what he says. He says, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I have made with them. And in that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and calamities will come on them. And in that day they will ask, have not these disasters come upon us because of our God is not with us? And I will certainly hide my face in the day because of the wickedness in turning to other gods. That's, that's not exactly what you want to hear as a leader. That's not exactly what you want to hear for your children as a parent. I, I do not want to hear, hey, this is the future of your son, and it's not going to be good. Yeah, that causes me a lot of angst. Here's the future for your daughter, and it's not going to be good. And what God says is, hey, listen, you're leading these people. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And when, it's, and, and when you come to me and when you enter into eternity, guess what? It will be a short time when the children of Israel, when they will depart from me and they will follow other gods and they won't follow me like they used to. And Moses... And Joshua know that the people of Israel will soon, after they enter into the land, turn from him and follow other gods. And so what God does is God tells Moses to write a song and to teach it to Joshua and the children of Israel. And you can read this song in Deuteronomy chapter 32. You can read the song that Moses actually composes. Now, music, I don't know about you, but music is important to our lives. I love listening to music. I love all kinds of music. Uh, I don't have a favorite genre of music. I know there's a few genres I don't particularly care for, but I kind of like all genre, genres of music. How many of you, what's your favorite style or type of music? Anybody? Southern gospel. Southern gospel, all right. Who else? Country rock, all right. Anybody else? Any death metal fans in here? Yeah, okay, yeah, right back there. All right, yeah. Anybody else? Any, any, just, any just good old classic 1970s rock and roll? Yeah, little, little Zeppelin. Anybody with me on that? Huh? The Eagles, yeah. Yeah, not Philadelphia Eagles, but the band, the Eagles. 
one, uh, one group I've always wanted to see is uh, Chicago. I've never seen them in concert. I'd love to see Chicago uh, in concert. But we all have our favorite genres and styles of music. And, and I love to listen uh, uh, to music. But, but what God does is he says, hey, listen, I want you to write a song and I want you to teach it to Joshua and to the children of Israel. Now, here's what's fascinating is that when you go in and you look at music, studies have actually shown that music activates both the left side and the right side of the brain at the same time. And so it activates both both hemispheres of the brain. And what it does is it actually maximizes our ability to learn and it improves our memory. As a matter of fact, a study by Florida National University and other universities have as well have found that music eases stress, it reduces anxiety, it improves performance, it helps with pain, it improves brain functions, and several studies have shown that music and memory are linked together. And so if you've ever wondered why it's easier to memorize a song than it is to remember your to-do list or what's on your grocery list, there's a reason behind that. And the reason behind that is because our brain actually looks for patterns to help better understand and recall as well as process information. And so music does that. It provides a pattern. And with that pattern, our brain is able to comprehend and remember and process more. It's the same reason why music producers always try in every song to find a hook. And this hook is known as the infamous earworm. Are y'all with me on that? Y'all have the earworm every once in a while? Does anybody have an earworm right now? Like there's a song you are singing in your mind all the time and you can't seem to get it out of your head. Anyone? No? Do all of you listen to talk radio? Okay. An earworm. Some of you are going to walk out of here and you're going to be singing a song and you'll be like, ah, I should have mentioned that. An earworm, the worm, the term earworm was actually coined in 1979 by psychiatrist Cornelius Eckert. It happens when one part of a song gets stuck in your head for an extended period of time and you can't get it out. Okay. A couple weeks ago, I had the earworm from a song from Salt and Pepper. It's not Pepper, it's Pepper. And uh, it's that song, you know, what a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. I don't know why that was stuck in my head, but it was stuck there and it was awful. He's looking in the mirror. <laughs> I know, I was looking in the mirror. And you know what my wife was doing? She was like, you're an idiot. That's what my wife was saying. But it just so happens that having those earworms is, is one way of actually improving uh, uh, your memory. And uh, when they are teaching foreign languages, they use music with a beat to help you remember and to help you study. And your brain latches on. What happens is your brain latches on to that, okay, to that pattern, and it helps with your Memory. It helps you remember. It helps you process. Um, over the past couple of weeks, uh, other than Salt and Peppa's What a Man, so I've been singing that a little bit. 
But then also there's another song. Um, it, it's been stuck in my head. We sing it every once in a while in a service, in the service. And I love this song. And I just, I sing the chorus over and over and over again. I don't know really uh, the verses, but it, it's that song. Every time we even uh, take uh, communion, I always think of this song. And I never heard it till Greg and Janet came, but it was that song. It's called Thank You, Jesus. And it just goes, Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. And they go, Thank you, Jesus. You have washed me white. And that's great. But then they go up high. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. And then, and then it goes up high, and then it goes, and, and sometimes if I watch Greg, he'll do this, and that's when I know you got to go up high. But then he goes, thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life, brought me from the darkness into the glorious light. Man, and I just, I'll be, I'll be, turn that phone off. I love that song. And I'll find myself in the car singing that. I'll find myself walking around the office singing that. I'll find that. Uh, uh, you know, we were, uh, my wife and I, we were out the other day, and I was just kind of, just like, what are you singing? And I was like, I'm, I'm singing that Thank You Jesus song. And uh, she goes, do you know any other lyrics to that song? I said, no, that's all I know. But I love that song. And, and here's what's so great about that song, right? What's so great about that song is all the great theology and doctrine that is in that song. When we sing that song, when I sing that song, I am constantly reminded of what Jesus did for me. That He went to the cross, that He died on the cross, that He rose from the dead, that His blood took my blood instead. He replaced me on the cross. It is because of what He did that I am able to spend an eternity with Him in heaven. Amen. It is what He did that I am forgiven of my sin. And that's just a chorus line. I can't wait to memorize the rest of the verses. <laughs> See what that's about. But we get, we get those simple little choruses, we get those earworms stuck in our mind. And so when God tells Moses, I want you to write a song and sing it to Joshua and sing it to all of Israel, there is a reason why God said, hey, listen, write this song. It is so that the children of Israel and that Joshua would remember what is important. And so Moses writes this song in Deuteronomy 32, okay? He sings this song and he teaches this song to Joshua and the whole children of Israel. And here is where I'm getting to in Deuteronomy 32, 45 through 47. Because after he teaches them the song, Moses tells them this in verse 45. When Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day. Look at this. So that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of the law. They are not just idle words for you. Look at this. They are your life. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Real quick, I just got two thoughts that I'd like to point out. 
when Moses tells the children of Israel this. The first thought is this, is that to teach others, we must first learn and practice it ourselves. To teach others, we must first learn and practice it ourselves. Look at what he says. He says, take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day. In other words, that song that I just sung to you, that was a teaching moment, and you need to learn it. You need to understand it. And then guess what he says? So that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of the law. Moses told the people, he told the children of Israel, command your children to obey. In other words, what I am telling you is not an option. And not only is what I'm telling you not an option, but you need to know it. You need to learn it. You need to live it. And then you need to impress that upon your children. You need to teach the next generation what I have taught you. It is not about do as I say, not as I do, but rather it is do what I do. And we see this all throughout the New Testament. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. What does he say? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Jesus didn't even just come down here to walk this earth and to save us, but rather he also set an example for each one of us as men to follow. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to set an example. 1 Timothy 4, 12, don't let anyone look down on you because of you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We must make, John Calvin said this, we must make the invisible kingdom visible in our midst. And what Moses does is he sings this song. He tells them, hey, listen, this is what you need to know. This is what you need to learn. This is what God wants you to know. This is what God wants you to learn. This is what you need to apply to your life. And then you need to teach that to the next generation so that they remember, so that they can learn, and also so that they can live right. And it was set up for them so that they could pass this on from one generation to the next generation to the next generation so that they would never forget, but also so that they would also live correctly. We cannot leave it up to somebody else to teach and to train the next generation. You must be responsible for you and your family and to teach the next generation. And we are called as men to live that, to learn that, and to model that. And my children are not going to know or understand how to live as a Christian until they see me, until they watch me, and until I teach them how to do it. I had a real problem when I read this phrase that we need to command our children. What does that look like? What does it mean to command your children. Does that mean that they live under tyranny in our home? The answer is, is no. Look at it like this. My son, as you know, is learning to drive, right? He's learning to drive. We were out, uh, we were out uh, uh, in the sticks last week, um, just being dudes, right? We were out shooting guns and 
you know, just kind of doing whatever for a couple days. And early last uh, Friday morning, we started to head back. And wouldn't you know, I got a flat tire. And it was one of those flats, you know, that you can't bring out an air pump and pump up. You know, it's like we just completely blew it out. And uh, it was awesome. You're driving down the road and then pow! And you're like, what was that? You know, I don't know. Hopefully a gun didn't go off in the back seat. <laughs> Is everybody all right? Tire blew out. And so this right here, man, it is a teaching moment. And so I looked at my son as we pulled over to the side of the road through the car in park. And I looked at him and said, well, son, do you know how to change a tire? And I knew the answer. I knew the answer was no. But this was his response. His response was no, dad. And I was like, fair enough. But then he continued with the sentence. He said, no, dad but I watched it online in my driver's ed course. And I was like, oh, you did, did you? And he said, oh yeah. I said, so you know how to change a tire? And he repeated himself. Well, I mean, I watched it online in a driver's ed course and I said, all right, great. Change my rear tire. And he looked at me and he goes, well, I don't know what to do. And I said, you just watched it online. What did I have to do? I told him, I said, this is how you change a tire. We had to get it. And I had to set an example. And you know what I did? This was the best moment of my life. I didn't have to lift the tire. I didn't have to jack up the truck. I didn't have to do anything. I sat back and I commanded him on exactly what to do. He said, well, how do I get to the jack? How do I do this? How do, do, how do I do that? And I just stood right by him every step of the way. And I just told him and I guided him on exactly what to do. And guys, that's the same thing we have to do in our family. That's the same thing we need to do with our spouses. That's the same thing we need to do with our children. That is the same thing we need to do with the next generation. Well, you can watch all the videos and go to all the sermons and go to all the church services you want to. But at the end of the day, man, at the end of the day, we're going to have to take everything that we have learned. We're going to have to apply it to our lives. We're going to have to live it out. And we are going to have to set the example for the next generation. Not only do we set the example, but we also have to teach it to them. They have to know it. They have to understand it. They have to do it as well. And as part of that example, we have to help them along. We have to guide them. We have to direct them in the way that they should go. We should steer them and just guide them over here and over here and over here and turn this way and turn that way. And guys, we have to set that example for the next generation. If we don't learn it and if we don't do it, how can the next generation even know what to do if they can't even see it in our lives? How can the next generation know how to live if they don't see it in our lives? How can the ge next generation know how to treat? How can my son know how to treat his wife if I don't treat my wife the way God tells me to treat her? How does my daughter know what husband to look for if I don't treat my wife the way that God wants me to treat her? How are my kids going to know to raise their kids if they don't know how to raise their kids? i got to set that example. And not only do I have to set that example, but I also have to teach them. Charles Spurgeon said this, Train up a child in the way he should go, but be sure you go 
that way yourself. Be sure you go that way yourself. Real quick, there are four ways to set a biblical example in your home. Whether you're a home of one or whether you're a home of many. In Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, you can see these four examples. I'm just going to go through it real quickly. But you can set an example of sound beliefs. In Titus 2, 1, Paul urges Titus to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. And he's elaborated and he elaborates on that in verses 2 through 5. The apostle described, uh, describes uh, what sound beliefs look like and uh, how they translate into our lives. The second uh, example is that of good works. Paul urges Titus to make himself uh, a good example in what he does and with integrity and dignity in your teaching. You see that in Titus chapter 2, verse 7. Um, in eight, it says this in everything, set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. The third way you can set an example is by your faithfulness in Titus two, nine and 10. Paul exhorts um, and he admonishes the slaves who have become Christians and demonstrate faithfulness to those that are over them. And um, then the fourth uh, example is the example of hope. In Titus 2, 12 through 13, Paul urges all Christians to live in a sensible, righteous, and a godly way in the present age while we wait for the hope of Jesus's Returns. There's four ways, real quick, you can set a biblical example by sound beliefs. Hey, this is what we believe by good works, by being faithful, and then by giving hope. And this leads us to kind of our second thought, which is this, is that God commands us to provide a way to navigate through life successfully. Notice I didn't say God is going to give you success, but rather he commands us in such a way that we can navigate through life successfully. If you look there in verse 47, Moses tells the children of Israel, he said, hey, listen, you need to command your children, okay, in the way that they should go. But then he says this, they are not just idle words for you, they are your life. Moses says, I'm not just talking. I'm not just out here just singing you a song to entertain you. But what I am saying is either going to give you life if you follow it, or if you choose not to follow it, it will bring you death. It is one or the other. There is no middle ground. If you believe, if you obey, if you do, there will be life and there will be success. But if you choose not to, then calamity will be at your door. What Moses is saying, real simply, is this. This is a matter of life, and this is a matter of death. This is a matter of success, or this is a matter of failure. And you have the option to choose. You can either do it or not. You can either follow it or not. Which are you going to do? Are you going to set the example? 
Or are you just going to kind of go your own way? Matthew 19, 17, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, what does he say? Keep the commandments. Man, obey. Follow it. Proverbs 19, 16, whoever keeps the commandments keeps their life. But whoever shows contempt for their ways will die. Over and over and over in Scripture, what do we see? We see, hey, if you keep the commandments, if you follow what God wants, there is life. But if you choose not to, if you choose to go your own way, guess what? There is the opposite. There is death. I love Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the one who does not um, walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. For those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. Henry Blackaby said this, and I quote, God's commands are designed to guide you in life's very best. You will not obey him if you do not believe him and trust him. You cannot believe him if you do not love him. You cannot love him unless you know him. You know, men, as we close out today, I want to leave you just uh, uh, with a very simple uh, question. How are you leading and being an example in your home? How are you leading and being an example in your workplace? How are you leading and being an example on the ball field? And are you teaching that next generation? Are you showing them the path that they should go to keep them from death and to give them an opportunity to succeed and to be successful not in the world's eyes, but in God's eyes. And that's just simply in obedience. You know, just real quick, I'm going to throw this in here. Um, starting this Wednesday, starting tomorrow night at 6.30, we have something called the Legacy Project that's going to be happening. It's an opportunity for you, uh, whether it's as a husband, whether it's as a father, a parent, it could be an aunt or an uncle, whatever, whatever you are. It's an opportunity for you to share with either those around you or the next generation about what you believe and about who you follow and about what you are doing. It's an opportunity to pass along to somebody an ex the example that you have set. And uh, Greg Vaughn is gonna be leading it. If you're interested, it's, it's only six weeks. Uh, you can text LEGACY to 77978 and get involved in that. We already have 60 people signed up. Uh, so if you're interested in doing that as a man, I would encourage you to do that. But are you living an example for the next generation and teaching and guiding and, yea, commanding the next generation on what to do? God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you that we could gather here today. Open up your word. God, have a great time. Laugh. But, Father, the seriousness of uh, our obedience to you, you keep very seriously. You take very seriously. And so, Father, as men here today, may we renew that commitment to be obedient to you and to follow you. And, Father, not just to learn it, not just to apply it, but, Father, to live it and to tell our children about it, to tell the next generation about it, to tell those in our workplace about it. Um, God, may we be the example that people look to and follow. Uh, 
May we be light in this dark world. May we be salt and seasoning in our bland, uh, in our, in our bland community. And, and Father, I just ask that you would bless each man here. Make his hands productive in the office as well at home. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, Amen. thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.